The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30 chance. To OV2 from the corner, courtesy of Strom. Now it's Pooley Irving. He's been on the ice a while here. Cuts off the left half boards. Now he's open. Dishes off. What-timer score! Leon Dreisaitl with a four-point night. It's 6-3. That's Pooley Irving's second assist. Leon Dreisaitl leading the charge. The Edmonton Oilers ring up the Carolina Hurricanes 7-3. Dreisaitl with a goal and three assists. Second four-point game of his career in the regular season. He did have a five-point game in the playoffs. Pont this Aberg back in the lineup. He gets a goal and two assists. Yoan Ovitu, he hasn't played much lately. He gets a goal and an assist tonight. Bounces back from an early own goal that put the Oilers in a one nothing deficit. And the Oilers able to pull away in this one against the Carolina team having an incredibly tough stretch. Now just four wins in their last 16 games. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. It's 746 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond auctions broadcast center you can reach us by dialing on your phone 780-496-0063 hey you can go to the oilers page on 630ched.com the japanese village goal light is on because the oilers have scored five or more in a game you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at japanese village three locations in edmonton downtown south side and north side well rob one of the storylines going into this game was the save percentage for Scott Darling and the Carolina Hurricanes, he came in 889, and uh, tonight he allows seven goals on 30 shots. Well, we, we saw why there's a very low save percentage. He doesn't make very, very many saves. Um, you know, at, at times early in the game, a couple of the goals, you think, oh, you know what, he's just unlucky. You know, he makes a big save, then the puck gets baseball batted out from behind the net off his back. Makes a big save off of Strom. The rebound goes across and then his own defenseman shoots it in off of him. You're like, you know what? Maybe he's just a victim uh, of just bad luck. But then you saw a couple other plays where he was swimming out there and I think a very uh, probably shows what his season has been like was the goal that PRV scored. I mean, there's no way that should go in. It was a backhander to start. He gives up a bad rebound then another backhander that goes in between the legs from, you know, 15 feet out, that can't go in. And I know that the game was over at that point, but that's that, that'll bleed into the next game that he plays. And they're like, oh, you know what? Darling's playing again. He's struggling, and he's struggling big time. He, he was a big signing uh, by, by the Carolina Hurricanes. He was going to be their number one goalie. He was going to take over for Cam Ward, who's on the back end of his career. And it has been a bad, bad season for Darling. And if you want to look at why a Carolina Hurricane team that's got some talent up front, they've got a nice young defense, why they are on the outside looking in, you can look at the fact that they did get they got no saves all season long. Funny stat of the night, one Edmonton Oiler wound up a minus. It was Connor McDavid who did get a point tonight in this game. He got an assist, winds up minus one. So a quieter night for McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Raddy, but dry Seidel really in control of the game. He was making plays pretty much every time he was out there. Well, the McDavid line went up against the Yahoo line, and, and they're good. 
They're very good. It's the one line that plays in both ends of the rink for Carolina. So that's why that was a tough matchup for McDavid, which left Dreisaitl to feast. And they had no answer for, for his line tonight. He had four points, could have had six or seven. He, he, the plays he were making. I mean, there's the pass that he gave to Ovitu, and nobody was even thinking Ovitu was going to get jump up in the play. And he waits, he waits, he waits, and then he sets the table for Ovitu, and he comes in and puts it top shelf. So, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, when you don't play with Connor McDavid, when you settle, center your own line, you're going to get an easier matchup against the line you're playing against. You're going to get a much easier matchup about which defenseman you're going to play against because the tops are, top Ds are always going to play against McDavid. And Leon took advantage of it tonight, and uh, he, he brought his line mates along with him and line mates that needed good night. Uh, and Aberg was one of those guys who'd been in the doghouse. He comes back and has his best game as an Oiler, but it was all because of the way that Leon Dreisettle drove that line. 7-3, the Oilers beat the Hurricanes. Dreisettle, the first star. Aberg, the second star. Aho, Rob mentioned, good young player. He's the third star. Our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, to me, it's an easy one. Uh, Johan Avitu, uh, he hasn't played in nine games. First game of the month. First, I believe it was his first shift on the ice. He shot it into his own net, trying to clear the puck. And that could have broke a lot of players. You know, you're sitting in the press box, you finally get your chance to play, and the first time you touch the puck, you shoot it into a wide-open net. Unfortunately, it's your own net, but it didn't bother him. He came out and just, he was strong all night long, and he made up for that with a wonderful shot on a Leon Dreisaitl pass. So, goal and an assist and a plus-two night for Ovitu. He's my four-star. 7:51 Oilers win 7-3 over the Hurricanes. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll bring Logan onto the show. Hey Logan, go ahead. Um hey Reed, I have a I have a comment for Rob. Mhm, go ahead, bud. Um I, it was a good road game for the Oilers. A lot of offense tonight against struggling goalie. Good game by Drysdale. Do you guys agree with that, Rob? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you keep coming up with all of these things, you're just going to take my job. You can sit here. I'll sit at home at your house, play no. some video games. We'll have some fun. You're, you're dead on. You're dead on, Logan. That's right. I thought it was a good road game. Leon Dreisaitl was excellent, and the Carolina Hurricane goaltending was not very good at all. I don't think so. You don't think you don't want my job? No. <laughs> I feel like a little... Uh... Ninja monkey. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Logan. Talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. That's Logan at 780-496-0063. Uh, Edmonton uh, allowed that early goal. They came back with three goals in 424. They led 3-1. Carolina did battle back within a goal a couple of times, but the Oilers were able to pull away for the victory. 32-36-5 and on the season. Carolina now 31-31-11. So, uh, oddly enough, the Oilers actually have more wins than the Hurricanes, but Carolina ahead of them in the standings because of uh, six more overtime slash shootout loss points. Yeah, I hate calling them loser points. Because they're not, because at the end of the year, a lot of them become winner points because they right. propel you into they the playoffs. Difference. Yeah, you get, a point, you get a point for tying a 60-minute game, not for losing in overtime or a shootout. That's, that's the half-full way to look at it. Well, and one of the problems for the Oilers this year is they weren't losing in overtime. They were losing well, in regulation, the they, yes. They, they've been blown out uh, too many times, for sure. Let's go back to Raleigh. Here is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. From a coaching staff perspective, do you, do you enjoy something like that? Like that's uh, kind of a little bit of freewheeling and uh, a lot of control to start? And then, I mean, you want it, so... Well, yeah, we... 
we enjoy that. The players have worked hard lately. They finally get rewarded for some goals. Um, strange night, especially in the first period, the type of goals. Um, you know, the guys were actually, once we got the game under control, they were talking about scoring first. And we did that, I guess, when AV put it in our own net. But um, it was a it was a fun night. Um, you know, when you when you score as much as we did and and do some of the things that we did correctly, uh, you can enjoy the game, and and uh, it's nice to get a win on the road. On to Saber, give you exactly what you were looking to see tonight. He played very well. Um, you know, expected him to perform that way based on uh, some of the circumstances, but I thought he had two line mates that played real well together also. So they had. Uh, I was impressed with that line and our team uh, to their back check and their ability to strip pucks and go the other way. It's as strong a, a game that we've had in that area in a while. So um, some positive signs and good for Pontus, good for that line. A couple of redemption stories. Uh, Vitu puts one in his own net and then he gets it back later on. I mean, he's going to... Yeah, you know, he scores first and then he scores. And... Um, no, that was nice. Uh, Leon, great vision to to find him late and uh, did a tremendous job in freezing the goalie. Just His release point was a little bit later than most and was able to beat him. So he had a good game for us, and uh, we're happy for him as well. The way it is, he'll probably be in down the stretch too. I mean, it's a good opportunity for him. Yeah. Clough's obviously not returning, and um, you know we don't know where Sakara's at with, uh, with his injury. And uh, some of the... Others on our blue line are beat up pretty good, so uh, I'm sure he'll get some playing time as we go forward. Benning said McDavid called him an offensive defenseman now. What did you think of that reactionary goal from Matt Benning? Well, I think the offensive defenseman puts it in the open net. He doesn't bat it in from behind, but good for Benny to stop at the net and finish it. So, um, you know, that's the type of... Uh, relaxed environment you can have when you play well and you, you get yourself a lead. You said he can be hard on himself at times, and he had a stretch. I think it was two points in six games or whatever. So a night like this, what's it do for him, and, and kind of what's your evaluation of him as a whole this year? Well, I think he's been – we can't throw Leon in, into a pile and paint him with a brush for a, a two- or three-game span. He's been a very good player for us all year. Uh, been able to pr- produce offensively and defensively. We saw that tonight. Face-offs, penalty kill. So he's had a, a pretty admirable year. Um, we forget that he was hurt for a while at the beginning of the year and it affected him. Um, and he is hard on himself. But uh, when you want to be the best, you often are. And you've got to forgive yourself sometimes and, and come back and play. And I thought he did that tonight. So the Oilers win 7-3 in Carolina. That's head coach Todd McClellan. He was asked about Pontus Aberg, who gets his first goal as an Oiler, first goal since he was a Nashville Predator and scored in Edmonton on December 14th. He also had two assists tonight. And, Rob, on Friday the Oilers practiced in Sunrise. Aberg didn't. And all Todd McClellan said was he missed practice and won't play tomorrow. We thought it sounded kind of curious. And then he didn't play against Sunday. He was he was back in today, and and Todd has indicated that there were he's clearly doesn't want to uh, embarrass the player, but it appears there may have been some sort of uh, issue that he may have needed to be spoken to about or disciplined for team infraction. So, yeah, team infraction. Yeah. good way to put it. So uh, Todd said he, he <laughs> we expected him to play well, and that's certainly what you would want a guy to do coming off a situation like that. Well, we I know that I was on Bob's show the other day, and we talked about playing guilty. Well. Aberg was playing guilty tonight. He he made a mistake, and he paid for it by sitting out a couple of games. And when he sat out, all of a sudden, the guy that went in for him, Raddy, scores two goals playing in his position. 
So now that's a, a double slap in the face right there. You're not playing, and, the, and your replacement is doing better than you were doing. So he had to come in, and this is a, a character test for, for a young player. How does he respond? What kind of what kind of character does he have? Is he strong enough to come back from this and, and do something positive, or does he carry a, a powder or sulk into the game? And tonight, it was by far, by far, his best game as an Edmonton Oiler. The Oilers hoped and expected it would happen, and tonight, Aberg showed it and did do it. He's an interesting story, and it's regardless of what happened over the weekend. To me, Rob, this is a critical time in his career. He had a bit of a burst last year in the playoffs, impacted a couple games in a big way, but also, you know, talking to people on and off the record who saw him play in Nashville, skill, speed, not a lot of consistency. And the Nashville Predators, currently their first overall in the NHL. Mm -hmm. They're going to finish in the top three. They're going to be the favorite to win the Western Conference. To win a Stanley Cup, you need depth. Last year, he was a depth player who helped on a team that went to the Stanley Cup final. So this year, the Nashville Predators were saying, ah, we think we're deep enough. Yeah. You know, Fisher's coming back. We, we got other guys. We think we're deep enough without you. So now we're trading you to a team that's lower down in the standings than expected, but still but still where they're at. So he's he's going to have to, I think, pretty be pretty honest with himself and, you know, react not to just whatever happened over the weekend, but to the trade and maybe how he's perceived. Well, Nashville's not saying he's not good enough to make their team. They're saying he's not good enough to be their depth player, is what they're saying, because they gave him up for nothing, more or less. So they're saying, you know what, we've got depth players better than him. Uh, it's a wake-up call when you get traded. Uh, and, and you come here and you have an opportunity. And you're coming to a team that has had a horrible year. It's not like he's going to another team where he'd be way down on the depth chart. So he's getting an opportunity, and he's gotten very good opportunities playing with good hockey players. Tonight's the first night that he's taken advantage of it. So I would, I would imagine in Ottawa he'll be playing with Leon again, and that'll give him another day. And the one thing that you talked about was, was consistency. So he had a flash. Can he do it again? And that's what the others are going to be very careful to watch. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. You can reach Rob and me, 780-496-0063. If you like winning stuff, we're looking for a finish-the-play contestant at that same phone number. You will also hear from Pontus Aberg, from Leon Dreisaitl, who racks up four points tonight, also from Johan Ovitu, who overcame that early own goal to help the Oilers with a couple points tonight. The final, Edmonton 7, Carolina 3. We're back after the news. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Stolt dishes off to Ajo, out to the point, shot, deflected, save Talbot, and then on the rebound as well. Great reactionary stop on Stolt. Oilers win at 7-3 over the Carolina Hurricanes. Cam Talbot gets his 27th victory of the season, 28 saves. That was his save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite RV dealership, now carrying motorhomes. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown at the 630 Jet Studio. 7-3, the Oilers win at Dreisaitl with four points tonight as uh, the Oilers were scored on early, came back with three. They had a 4-3 lead in the second period, got a couple before the end of the frame, pulled a yard a little extra insurance in the third. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll check the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard in a couple of minutes, but I can tell you that Patrick Line 
for the Winnipeg Jets. Blocked a shot against L.A., left the game. It's 1-1 in the third period. Uh, yeah, that that hurt. They just lost another guy too, didn't they? Kulikov or something that was injured. Out. He's out for four to six weeks as well. Uh, Minnesota, or Winnipeg was having an incredible season this year. They cannot afford to lose Patrick Laine for any length of time if they want to make a run in the playoffs. Hopefully it's precautionary, and if there is x-rays, they come back negative because... He's a kid that you want to see playing and playing each and every night. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We had to finish the play contested, and he hung up. Guess he didn't want what to finish the play. What good is that? <laughs> How do you win if you hang up? We'll give him one more try. Yes. Please oh. call back, sir. My goodness. Well, no, whoever calls in is getting to finish the play. That too. It's a race. <laughs> well, we'll do the full scoreboard now. I was going to go to finish the play. Let's see what's going on in the National Hockey League. Capitals over the Stars, 4-3. Ovechkin got his 44th. And an assist in that game as well, and that is a big loss for the Dallas Stars, who right now are on the outside looking in in Ken Hitchcock's first year back in Dallas. Been a tough season in Ottawa. Some sad news today. Eric Carlson and his wife uh, losing their son. And uh, on the ice, it is the Panthers beating the Senators 7-2. Oilers will be in Ottawa on Thursday, five minutes left in that game. Late in the third, Red Wings and Flyers tied 4-4. The Lightning rally from a 3-0 deficit beat the Maple Leafs 4-3. And Kucherov with a goal in that game. He moves one more, or actually he and Connor stay three points apart, I believe, in the scoring race. Yep. But McKinnon moves uh, ahead, though, of four, sorry, four points. And McKinnon with two points tonight goes one ahead of Connor. He's in right. second now. So now it's Kucherov with a three-point lead on McDavid and still a four-point lead on Connor. And Malkin got nothing, right? Malkin was shut out tonight. Okay, so there you go. So Kucherov uh, still looking good in the Art Ross race. Canucks and Golden Knights scoreless early. Avalanche up 3-1 on the Blackhawks. Rob mentioned how McKinnon's doing. Devils and Sharks still to come. Islanders beat the Penguins 4-1. Blue Jackets have won nine straight. Panarin gets a hat trick, up to 25 goals on the season. Mark Letestu had an assist in that game. 5-3 Blue Jackets over Rangers. And, of course, the Oilers beat the Hurricanes 7-3. Is this Wayne? Yes. Wayne, do you want to finish the play? Sure. All right. Do you want to talk about the game first of all? You don't uh, have other to. Other than a great win? <laughs> Turned out okay. All right. <laughs> hang on, buddy. Here we go. Finish the play. <coughs> Off the draw, the Oilers send it back in. Carolina attempts to clear. Nurse with a steal. Aberg's open right circle. Back door. That is wide open. Centering pass score. Kajula ties it. And Edmonton is So Kajula with the goal there for finish the play. Where did Kajula play his university hockey? North Dakota or Alberta? Don't say Alberta. Alberta. Don't say Alberta. Don't say Alberta. How about uh, North Dakota? Absolutely, Wayne. Stay on the line. (laughs) Kellen will take down your info for an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Brought to you by Jet Set Parking. One-night stays or long-term parking. Find your perfect match from five fifty a day at JetSetParking.com with promo code CHED. There was a former Golden Bear in this game. There was. Drake Kajula. Didn't notice him a lot tonight, though. I didn't notice Ryan as much, but then again, again, when you're in your own zone most of the game, as Carolina was, it's hard to notice the offensive players. All right, 7-3, the Oilers take it tonight. We'll go to Marty on line three. Hey, Marty, thanks a lot for calling. No problem. I just have one quick question for you. And the question is this. 
Why is it the Oilers are so good on the power play last year, but so lousy on the PP this year? Well, that's a quick question. Unfortunately, it's not a short answer, but it is a really good comment. Yeah, and that's one thing that we talked early in the season when they struggled. I thought, you know, well, you know what, they're struggling now, but it's going to get better just because of what we'd seen in the past with this, with this team. I think that they miss a big shot from the point. I think they could use a right-handed shot back there. Uh, and in all honesty, whenever something is successful... Teams are going to look for ways to stop it. And there are so many uh, coaches out there that use video till you cannot use video anymore, and they know exactly what the others want to do. So they went out there and said, okay, here's, here's what they want to do. They want to carry the puck in, so we're going to stand them up. Okay, they want to go cross ice, backdoor, as we saw last year, Latesta with a bunch of one-timers. That's the pass they want to make, so let's take that away. They don't shoot from the point, so we don't even have to worry about that. So we'll move down low. We'll take all the low, down low plays away. And the other players uh, had a hard time adjusting, didn't want to adjust at times. And you throw in a bit of bad breaks where they didn't put the, they, they didn't get the bounces they were getting last year, and it, it adds up to uh, a power play to where it is in the National Hockey League. Now, even with a bunch of the things that I just said going wrong for them, there's no way that the Edmonton Oilers' power play should be still at the bottom of the league. Even if they have a bad stretch or have a, an off season for all of them, this is still enough talent in this team that they've got to be top 20 if everything goes wrong with them. So this is something they're certainly going to have to look in the offseason at, at what went wrong on their power play, because their power play is just as big a reason as any other as to why they're not in the playoff race right now. Yeah, and the power play, just one opportunity tonight. They were 0 for 1, and again, one of those where they're fine passing it around. They're always looking for that next guy. But, I mean, they, they did shoot against Tampa Bay the other day, mm-hmm. especially on that one power play. But today, uh, they actually didn't get a shot on the power play. They had 29 even-strength shots and one short-handed shot. You should not have more short-handed shots than power plays unless you don't have a power play. Well, yeah, and, and they did move it around, and they just kept looking for that perfect play. And the perfect play isn't coming because the teams know what they want. So they're going to take that play away. Okay, this is where Connor wants to move the puck to. This is where Leon wants it. Let's not let them do that. Let's try to make them see if they'll score an ugly goal. And for the most part, the Oilers have shied away from doing the little things to get ugly goals. If they want to get better, they're going to have to find a way this summer to figure out what they can do to increase the the shot uh, quantity. Because the quality is not always going to be there, but you can certainly get quantity. And if you get quantity, eventually puck bounce the right way for you. Yeah, and and uh, I know last night on Inside Sports, and, and I hesitate to talk about this because the Oilers aren't in their situation because because of officiating. Nope. It, it is odd how, how few power plays... I mean, they've had the fewest power plays in the league. They're on pace to have the fewest power plays in a season in the history of their team, excluding lockout shortened mm-hmm. seasons. So that is kind of noteworthy because they drew more penalties last year. But I know one uh, one listener texted in last night and it says, well, when you're not shooting and you're 0 for, it doesn't matter if you're 0 for 1 or 0 for 10, you're not. And and, and, that, and that's the thing, Rob, that, that, that's the, that I think that's a lot of the frustration is maybe you don't have a bomb from the point, but you don't have anything from from the point. I mean, nobody's really shown a willingness to try to get a puck through, at least not consistently, to get a puck through. McDavid, at times, he's shot from the off wing, but, you know, a lot of times, he's even he's been guilty of overhandling it and trying to pass it into the net. Well, and we have talked a number of times after games where 
to me, the, the, the power play begins after the first shot hits the net because wherever that rebound go, it just everyone is in disarray defensively because the, the rebound never goes where you expect it to go. It bounces one way or the other. Now you're reacting as defenders. And that's when the power play guys can take advantage because they got the defenders on the run. If you're just passing it around the outside, whenever you practice penalty kill in practice, when they pass it on the outside, you all know your positioning because you're moving around. Every pass, you know where you're supposed to go and, and where the other guys are going to go. But when there's a rebound or a scramble in front of the offensive net or, you're, or we're defending in front of the net, now you're, it's a cluster. And everybody's searching for the puck and they're turning. When the puck bounces out, the guy that wasn't there before, he's running out and then someone's trying to take the other guy's position. And now you've got them running around. The Oilers do not get the defending team running around very often. They're always in their structured box, if that's what they're doing, or they're two up, two back, whatever it is. But they're always in that because the Oilers don't force them to get out of that because the Oilers don't put pucks on net. Yeah, and that's a good point about getting the other team running around. And... The Oilers were, were better at it last year, and, and I think that's the con- confusing thing about this coaching staff. They, they they had good players in San Jose. They also had good power plays, and how many times would you see the Sharks score a goal? And, and they still do because they have some of the same guys, but where puck's down low, there's it's bouncing around everywhere. The San Jose guys descend on it. They got an extra guy. Eventually, eventually they whack it in, and the Oilers don't score goals like that. Well, look at... San Jose now, we, we've seen him a couple times this year. Brent Burns, when he gets the puck, he he's not even thinking anything but shot. Every time the puck comes to him, and not every shot gets through, but every time a puck is deflected on the way in, there's now a scramble because there's a race for the puck. And if you beat the guy to the puck, now you've got them running around again. So the others don't do that. And because they keep let the other team be structured, the defenders don't get tired. And a lot of play, a lot of goals are scored because the defenders get tired and they they miss an assignment or they get late on an assignment. And what we last night against Tampa, or last game against Tampa, when the Oilers had the 13 shots on the power play, mm-hmm. remember all the chances they got. It was because they were rebounds and a shot, then a rebound and a shot, and the defenders were diving all over the place. The goalie was diving all over the place tonight on the power play, and a lot of times this year, you don't see the defenders, the penalty killers, diving. They're always in position. They're always in shooting lanes. The goalie's always turning and always facing the puck because there's no panic, and the others don't. Uh, there's no duress on the penalty killers because the Oilers players, power play players, they keep everything on the outside looking for that perfect play, and they're not getting it, and because of that, they're going through minute, minute and a half without getting a shot on net. Oilers beat the Hurricanes 7-3. That means a $175 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 every time the Oilers score, so a big night there. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. If you're on hold, we're getting to you right away, but Leon Dreisaitl had four points tonight. Let's hear from him. You guys get on the score sheet. Uh, you in particular uh, have a good night. Uh, just talk about maybe the chemistry that you had with Aberg and your line's performance. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, different different guys get on the on the score sheet. Um, you know, I thought we we uh, we played very solid. Uh, all four lines were going. All four lines contributed. And um, you know, when when we play that way, um, I think I think we're a tough team to beat. Was the biggest key to this one maybe getting that good feeling going early? That response where you score three within five minutes. It just seemed to. Uh, take over from there obviously um yeah yeah for sure um you know we our, our answer to to the goal against was was exceptional um you know i think we scored the, sh- the shift after and um 
you know, a tough bounds obviously against us, but, um, you know, the, the team responded really well, and, um, you, you know, I think, like I said again, all four lines were, were ready to go right off the bat, and that, that helped us win a game. What do you think this game meant to a guy like Aberg? He sits out a couple games, comes in, has a big night. Yeah, I think that's what everyone was looking for, um, but uh, I thought he was he was outstanding tonight. Um, you know, he's fast, he's skilled, um, he makes plays. Uh, he's pretty pretty easy guy to play with. You're a, a, Todd always says that you're a guy who kind of internalizes and is kind of hard on himself at times. When, when you go for a stretch without getting a bunch of points, does it weigh on you and is something like this kind of uh, I mean, to take the weight off your shoulders? How do you well, I think, you know, as a top six guy or... As, as the top guys, you always get measured by, by what you produce at the end of the day. Um, you know, after the season, no one no one goes back to game 46 and says, oh, he was terrible that game. It's about contributing and, uh, uh, you know, um, producing. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, I think I can speak for, for a lot of guys that... that, that that are supposed to to, to contribute, um, you know. Sometimes it's not easy that, that that you go through through stretches like that, but everyone goes through them, and uh, you have to stay positive. And um, you know that's how this league works. Um, the bounces sometimes don't go your way. The uh, the next night they they'll go your way. Leon Dreisaitl, a goal and three assists tonight, leading the Oilers past the Carolina Hurricanes 7-3. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, 780-496-0063 is our number. We have Kazid on the line. Hey, Kazid, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Hey, I uh, just started uh, watching hockey a couple of years ago, and uh, it's a great show you guys have. I uh, wanted to know the difference between a restricted free agent and a unrestricted free agent. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, basically an unrestricted free agent can talk to, once he becomes a free agent on July 1st, he can talk to anybody, any team can talk to him. A restricted free agent, they're usually a little younger and have less NHL experience. They're still under team control because other teams can offer them a contract, but their current team can match the contract and keep them, and if they don't, they get compensation from that player's new team. So that I hope that that made sense. I was trying to sum it up. Okay. Okay. An unrestricted free agent has the freedom to go anywhere he wants on July 1st. A restricted free agent doesn't. He can be prevented from leaving. He can be prevented. Very, very rarely does a restricted free agent leave. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, no problem. Thanks for calling. That's Kazid checking in. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, who was the last offer sheet? Uh... Well, wasn't was it O'Reilly? Calgary made an offer sheet on him, and then he didn't go. Yeah. And then he eventually got traded. Wasn't that that? What well, happened then? Uh, didn't, uh, wasn't Weber's big contract the result of the Philadelphia offer sheet? Yeah, Nashville true. matched it. Yeah. So it, do- it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And, and well, and I think Peter Shirelli alluded to it last year that Leon's contract, part of the reasons he got the money he did, was there was a worry that there would be an offer made on him as a restricted yeah. free agent. The, the thing is, though, the, the player has to, has to sign it, too. Well, but they're going to. A player's going to sign it. Yeah, because cause, cause then you can force, you're just force gonna, a match. Well, you, yes, if you want me, you can pay me this much money because if, whatever they, he has offered is obviously more than he was going to get if he would have just stayed yeah, with that team. More than he thought he would get yeah. if they hadn't been talking yet. Yeah, but those don't happen very often. And, and um, I, I should say to Kazee and people listening, there, there's a good website out there called Cap Friendly. So just type in capfriendly.com. It 
uh, not only does it tell you all the salaries of players, and it doesn't just tell you their cap hit, it tells you their actual money year by year. Because, of course, in the, the, no, they changed the rules so you can't have $12 million one year and $1 million the next year. But I could pay Rob uh, $10 million for two years, which is actually what you're getting. Yeah, it's pretty uh, close. It's pretty, That's pretty, exactly what Ched's on the on the hook for, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, so as, a, as a team owner or GM, I could pay Rob $10 million over two years. His cap hit is $5 million a year, but I could say, Rob, I'm going to pay you $4 million uh, the, of real money the first year and then $6 million the second year. It, it can't be you can't do like one and nine anymore well that's be because a certain there were some dumb contracts out there well it's funny every time a rule is put into place by the owners the next day the owners are trying to find ways to get around the rules well and that's that's the funny thing about some of the lockouts and and the well i guess there's been lockouts in the nhl there hasn't been an actual strike for a while but it's the owners trying to protect themselves from, from themselves, themselves yep. and they and they try to blame the players for it. Like they, they'll tell the players, well, we need this rule because some of our guys, do, like the players are like, we're just taking the money like, yeah. for the most part. Well, the, the players don't have a whole lot of leverage. I mean, if the owners don't want to pay them, well, they're not going to go to another league and play right. if you're one of the stars. Yeah, it's funny. As soon as they come up with a rule, a salary rule, a salary cap rule, the owners are trying to find ways they can get around it yeah. with long-term contracts where, you know, we're going to pay up front this much and then the last six years, you can retire anytime in the last six because you're not making very much then. But the cap hit is is much easier for us to absorb. So, but it is actually cap friendly. is pretty pretty cool to and, be able to and, go on. And, and, I, and like I just put in a search for all the players who are going to be unrestricted free agents uh, this summer. You know, it tells you how much uh, how much they're making, and and then you and it, and I, I was going to say it also explains some of the rules. Mm-hmm. So if you want to read more extensively on on because for a restricted free agent, the compensation depends on. How much? So if uh, if a guy is paid eight million dollars and goes to a new team, that team gets more compensation for losing a star player than they would for a guy who's making the league minimum, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it is it is a really good website. I'm just I just now that we're doing this, Rob, I just want to double check. Um, well, you Weber's, know what you've got Weber's contract. Yeah, you got one of the things you have on the unrestricted free agents. One of the big off-season this year, unrestricted free agents scored a couple goals tonight is Van, Van Riemsdyk in Toronto. One of the guys, I, I know maybe some other names might stand out more on that list, but I mean, he's... 33 goals on the season you know, this year. He's 28, he's not, and I know Lucic is 29, so some people might be afraid of someone in that range. Different kind of player. He's a reliable scorer. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has been for a great long Great hands. Great hands in front of the net. So you're going to Weber's contract. Yeah, so, Weber. so here's Weber's contract. He is under... Now, this was before the rules limiting contracts to... You can sign your own free agent for eight years. You can sign another team's free agent for a maximum of seven. Now, Weber's deal was before that. So his cap hit is 7.8... I won't give all the numbers. Basically $7.8 million. Mm-hmm. His salary uh, for the next, uh, what, four years... Or this year... Oh, no, pardon me. This goes back to the beginning of the contract. His salary the first four years of the contract was $14 million. Last year and this year, it's 12 Then it's 6 for a few years, then 3 And then for the last three years of the contract, it's only $1 million. So, that's, so the cap hit every year is 7.8. If Shea Weber 
retires after the 2023 season, though, he's only sacrificing $3 million of real money. He's already made 95% of what the contract Instead is. Instead of $24 million what the cap hit is right. each day. So, well, the reason that Philadelphia made that offer is they thought they were going to... Nashville's not a team that spends a lot. They front-loaded the contract, said, all right, it's something like $60 million in the first five years or four years or whatever it is. You can't afford that. And Nashville matched it anyways because they couldn't afford to lose Shea Weber, which they turned into P.K. Subban. And he has that signing bonus, too, for the first few years. The first four years, if he was just on the team's roster on July 1st, he got $13 million. So, so how much was his first four years did he get? It was it was something stupid. Of real money? Of real well, what's, money. What's 14 times 4? 64? So, yeah, so $64 million and, in and the four whole, years. And the whole contract's 110. Yeah, so $64 million in four years. And Philadelphia was hoping that Nashville said, you know what, that's, that's too rich for us. Nashville understood the importance of Shea Weber, whether he played for them or whether they used him as an asset later, which they did and turned into a former Norris Trophy winner in P.K. Subban. So that's, so that's the interesting thing. The, the Flyers do that, and then the owners say to the players, oh, hey, now we want rule. Remember at first they were pushing for five-year contracts, maximum five-year contracts. So that's, that's the interesting thing. Like, if you, know, you, you were a player. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, don't, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have 500 players screaming out for 13-year, $110 million contract. Because there's only one or there's two that get them, guys, yeah. There are only a few guys that are worth that, and now... <laughs> I mean, they're always going to find a way to give the stars the money. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how it goes in all well, the And what happens in salary cap eras is the stars will always get paid. Yeah. It is the, the younger or the... Well, the younger players won't get paid as much, and the middle-of-the-road players are moved out of the league quicker than they would have expected because they have to find someone younger to take their spot because they're cheaper. All right, the Oilers win 7-3 over the Carolina Hurricanes. Did you uh, did you have an agent, or did you negotiate on your own? No, I never had an agent. Oh, sorry, no, I never negotiated on my own. You don't think uh, that no. would have gone well? Uh, no, <laughs> nope. Uh, mine were always tricky because we always had to ask nicely for teams to take me. No, I, had, I started with Bill Waters, who was with Rick Curran, who was awesome. I moved to Donnie Meehan, and then I finished off out of Edmonton at uh, Rich Winter, who and I dealt uh, with, uh, who was my, I was talking about him this morning, Rich Winter was my main guy, mm-hmm. Steve Kotlowitz was okay, the yep. guy that handled my stuff for me, so I, went with, I was with three different firms over 16 years. Now, did you have, so you would have had a salary in the NHL and a different salary if you were in the AHL, or when you were older, were you guaranteed the same? Um, I was... I had a couple times I had two ways. I mean, yeah, I had, I had two ways, but I had a guarantee. So there was always, I think, I, I don't know what my low number was, but there was always a guarantee. So say right. say your, your NHL salary is 600 and your minor league salary is 50, but I was guaranteed 350. So right. if, some of the older guys. So if you get, get sent that. down, if you get sent down at the beginning of the season, play the whole years in the minors. If your minor league sign is fifty, you're still making three fifty. The end of the year, they got to top it up. The one thing I went through that that uh, not many do, and it was when I was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh went bankrupt. Oh yeah, you were there. For I that. was there when they went bankrupt, and I was one of the guys that was owed money because I had a bonus at the end of the season. And the team went bankrupt. They had no money to pay the bonus, so there was creditors, and. Uh, in the creditor meeting, all the top creditors, mine wasn't big enough for me to be at the meeting, but they had to discuss which people got paid money out uh, first when when the new ownership took over because there was a lot of people that were standing in lines with their hands open. Jeez. And unfortunately, I was 
I did get my money that was owed to me. But I remember the one year in Pittsburgh when they were talking about bankruptcy, we got paid, and they uh, now it's all electronic. But we used to have we come off the ice and practice, and there'd be a check sitting in your stall, and it was always cool. We always, we knew what payday was. We'd always come off early and open up Yarmir's check just to see how much he made, <laughs> and it was way way more than we did. But then it was a race that day. We had a race to the bank because we're like, okay, we're not sure how much money they have. I'm getting mine in right. the bank first before you know one, before Yarmir cashes his and takes up everything that was remaining. Oilers win 7-3 over the Hurricanes. You can reach Rob and me at 780-496-0063. Maybe you have another story you want Rob to tell. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's full of them. Uh, you'll also hear from Pontus Aberg and Johan Ovitu at Nice Games tonight. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The final, Edmonton 7, Carolina 3. McGinn got the first goal. Four and a half minutes in, Oviedo accidentally poked it into his own net. Kajula, Benning, and Strom came back for the Oilers. Three goals in 424. Ajo on the power play before the end of the first. Aberg scored early. In the second period, 92 seconds in, turnover by Carolina, and the Oilers got a bit of a break as well. The puck ticked off the referee's skate, went right to Dreisaitl, who set up Aberg. Tara Vinen got it back for Carolina, but Ovitu and Dreisaitl before the end of the second period, and then Puglia Yarvi, the only goal of the third, so 7-3, the final damage. The Oilers get their 32nd victory of the season. Aberg... Benched over the weekend, back in tonight, gets three points. Here he is. Point game for you, three-point night. Uh, what can you say about your individual performance? Uh, good night. Uh, uh, I, had, I had to have my, my stick on the ice there. It's easy to play with. You know, when you have good plays around you, it makes it easier. And uh, uh, Leon set me up for the goal. It's, it's been a while, so it, uh, I felt um, pretty good. How did you feel your chemistry was with Leon so far? For the first game, I mean, it's, it's, it was good. It was a good, a good overall game. Drake, too. Uh, uh, successful game for us. What was behind your guys' hot start? Six goals on your first 22 shots? I don't know. That's a good question. We tried to get the pucks to the net, and uh, the plays we made got the bonuses, too, today, I think. Uh, Scored behind the net, like stuff like that doesn't happen every day. So I uh, got a couple of um, good goals for us, and we just kept on pushing from that. It seemed like you had your speed game going, and sometimes that's hard to do on the road against a team that pressures the puck. Yeah, the, they're a fast, a fast team too, so I mean, it's a lot of back and forth. Uh, so I'm pretty, pretty tired now after the game, but it was, it was a fun game to play, and as long as you have to speed up, uh, out, out skate the other team, uh, the chances is, is bigger to win. Important was for you. All right, Pontus Aberg back in tonight, gets a goal and two assists. Jack Michaels tweeting out earlier tonight, Connor McDavid, the first Oilers since Messier and Curry, who had a run from 87 to 90 to record back-to-back 90-point campaigns. McDavid, an assist tonight to hit 90, so he'll need 10 points in his final nine games to hit 100. I predicted 102. I think he's going to get 12 points in his last now nine games, Just and we'll see if that's enough to win him a scoring title. All right, 7-3 the final tonight. We had Bob win face-off trivia earlier. He get a he gets a $50 gift card to Bubbles, brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Dylan Simpson was called up from the farm by the Oilers uh, on an emergency basis. They're banged up on defense. He didn't have to play tonight. 
which NCAA school did Dylan Simpson play for from 2010 to 2014? North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota. North Dakota is the answer to everything tonight. Oh, my goodness. I should have said that. I was going to answer Craig. I thought you were going to ask who was his father. Craig. Oh, that, well. I would have got that. If that was the question, I would have we'll got it right. Drop that down for a future yeah. idea for trivia. Dylan question. Simpson's father, who Dylan, played Dylan for the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> scored 50 goals. 780-496-0063. Let's update the Advantage Trailer Rentals Out of Town scoreboard. Blue Jackets have won nine straight 5-3 victory over the Rangers tonight. The Islanders, uh, we were looking this up, Rob, just one win in their last 12 coming into tonight. Get a win over the Penguins, 4-1. Everly got an empty netter to seal that up. His 25th of the season, too late for the Islanders. Though. Yeah, they, they could not stop pucks from going in their net for the last month and because of that they're not going to make the playoffs Golden Knights 2, Canucks nothing that's late in the first, early in the third Colorado's up 3-1 on Chicago Kings and Jets are 1-1 in overtime we mentioned earlier, Line blocked a shot left the game, the Lightning get their 50th win of the season, they were down 3-0 to the Maple Leafs going into the third, didn't matter, they went 4-3 and Kucherov with a or goal. Pardon me, it was three. It, it was three nothing. They scored three in the third. They, yeah, it was three one after two. But yep. they they did come back from uh, three nothing down. Red Wings outlast the Flyers five four in a shootout. The Panthers pound the Senators seven two. The Capitals over the Stars four three. Ovechkin gets his forty fourth. So uh, you know you pretty much got. Big well, Columbus has Columbus has jumped. The Columbus has pushed Philly down into the wild card. Columbus has caught up to Pittsburgh <laughs> for four, tied for second in so the Metro, let, four behind Washington. Let me go out on a limb. So it's going to be Pittsburgh and Columbus in the first round, and they're going to kill each other. Then Pittsburgh will end up winning. They'll play Washington in the first round, and Crosby will get the better of Ovechkin again, and they'll move on out of that division. Seems like it happens every single year. Uh, I don't know if the Pittsburgh Penguins want to play against Columbus in the first round. Columbus is due against them. But that, that division is still a lot of different things can happen. Philadelphia has been a surprise. Columbus had a late start, and Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. I, I mean, in the East, barring some team going 9 or 10 and 0 to finish. Well, I mean, really, Car- Carolina's. They're out. They're out. So Florida's it, the only team. So Philly, you know, Philly's pretty comfortable, five ahead of Florida. New Jersey has 82. Florida has 81. So Florida gets a big win tonight. Uh, Jersey plays in San Jose. In San Jose, so that's a that's a so I mean if San Jose wins that game, Florida's only a point behind with two games in hand. So that's the race in the East: Florida, New Jersey. Yes, and the only well, the only race for a playoff for a playoff spot yes. for positioning for sure on the Metro. I mean, Columbus. All of a sudden, you're like, well, is first place? I mean, I, I was I was saying four points is a lot at this time of year, but when you've won nine in a row. <laughs> What's another four or five? Who knows if you just don't stop. And in the East, uh, I I mean, again, positioning within the Pacific Division, Vegas is is first. San Jose has a three-point lead on L.A. for third, though L.A. is could easily drop out depending on what happens. They and Anaheim both have 86. Colorado's in the wild card at 86. Dallas, the best non-playoff team uh, at 84. Costly, and they haven't been doing well lately. Two wins in their last 10. Yeah, they've had goaltending issues all season long with injuries to Bishop, and Bishop is out again. And tonight they give up another five goals in a hockey game with Letton in net. I don't know if the Dallas Stars have enough 
if they don't have Bishop in net for the remainder of the season. It'd be interesting to see how long he's out for. And they've played more games than everybody else, too. They're at 74. Everybody else is at 72 and 73. Well, the Flames are at 74, but we think the ship has sailed on I mean, I don't know if anybody had the Colorado Avalanche as a playoff hockey club at the beginning of the year. I don't think anybody had even an inkling that they could make the playoffs when they'd make the Duchesne trade that was going to be mainly for futures. And here they are on the back of uh, McKinnon. And also uh, that Rantanen has had a fantastic year as well in Colorado. To me, that's the feel-good story of uh, uh, them and Vegas. Two feel-good stories of the NHL this year. Oilers feel good tonight. They win it 7-3. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Leon Dreisettle, four points. Edmonton rings up Carolina, 7-3. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Wayne onto the open line. Hey, Wayne. Hello there. How are you guys going? Good. I just I got two questions. Um, Jesse Pugliarvi. In the offseason, what does he have to do to get prepared so he can be in the top six all year and be effective? And another ice sport, Rachel Holman or Jennifer Jones? Do you guys care to weigh in? On who's a better curler? Yeah. Uh, well, Jennifer well, Jones is a better curler. She's got the better um, resume when it comes to championships. Well, that's, and a, I, and that's, I, and that's I, the toughest question we've had all year. And I, and I and I love Rachel Holman as well, but I mean Jennifer Jones is she's got some pretty good hardware, so I'm she, I'm going to go with her. Okay. Although I'm a fan of Holman. Pooley Irvy. Um, I, I mean, for, to me, the biggest thing is, is understanding the game, seeing the game. Now, I mean, things you can do, you could look at video, watch video. Uh, the two centermen that the others are going to have next year, Drysaddle and and McDavid, take get video of them. And take it home and watch video, things that do. When they set players up, where the players are that are scoring goals, where they like the puck. Uh, and and that's an easy fix. You can go to the, the end of the year, tell them right now, sit to the video guy, said, I need I need a half an hour on McDavid and a half an hour on Drysdale. I want to see their tendencies. Power play stuff. What do you go to the coaching staff? Say, I want to be on the first power play. I want to be on a power play unit next year. Where do you see me? And what do I have to do to be there? And a lot of it will be one-timers. So in your training in the summer, uh, practice one-timers from different angles, coming from up top, coming from straight across, coming from down low, and just work on it over and over and over again, getting pucks off quick. Uh, things like that that are easy to practice. And maybe, and we had a caller the other day talk about him, does he come over to Canada and work in the off-season with a McDavid in one of the camps that he goes to and trains with him? and find his tendencies there. There's a lot of different things that uh, he can do. There's going to be a huge opportunity for him again next year, and it's an opportunity that the Oilers need him to grasp, and uh, and a lot of it is just on him because they're going to say, here you go. Yep. Run with this. Please run with this. Show me that you're capable of doing it. And if he is, it's his spot. If it isn't, he, McDavid and Dreisler are so important to this team that if they're not producing at the level that the Oilers need them to, 
then the others aren't winning hockey games. So you have everybody has a short leash playing with those two. So you better, when you get your opportunity, take full advantage of it quickly, or they're going to find someone else and give them the opportunity to. Oilers beat Carolina 7-3. I mentioned Dreisaitl with four points, Aberg with three, Johan Ovitu had two. You'll hear from him when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Dry subtle to steal this time. Over the line. Dry subtle centers open. Ovi to Jensen scores. 5-3 Edmonton. Dry subtle with a playmaker. His third assist. 7-3 Oilers over Carolina would be the final. Dry subtle four points. Ovi two scored there. Also had an assist. Here he is. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a long time I haven't scored, I haven't played, so obviously it's, uh, it's a little personal pride, right? I take it. So, uh, I mean, overall we all had a good game, 7-3. I mean, what is there to say? Nothing. What's it like in a game like that where everyone seems to be contributing and everyone's kind of getting on the score sheet? Well, it seems the game is much easier. You know, like we're all helping each other. We were all close to each other in any play, D-zone, O-zone, neutral zone. Uh, it makes the games of everybody much easier. So uh, we know we're capable to do it. Now it's just to find the consistency once again. Second goal where you have a guy behind the net, you know, hit it like a baseball, and it goes off the goalie's back and in. Was there almost a sense like you know, everything is going in tonight when you score a goal like that? Uh, there's nice like that. You know, like you always need a part of luck when you score a goal. But, I mean, uh, we pushed to have this luck. We created it. So I think we, we just got rewarded. Uh, we had quality chances, and we just put it in, you know. Yeah, and that goalie's being asked about. Matthew Benning was robbed by Darling in the first period. Rebound flipped in the air behind the net. Benning batted it out of the air off Darling's back and into the net. That made it 2-1 Oilers. They didn't look back, winning 7-3. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and Dan's going to be our final caller of the night. Hey, Dan, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Doing well. Good. Hey, uh, just a question. Uh, for July 1st, would it conceivably be possible that we circle back and maybe look at Pat Maroon, or is this team looking at getting a little bit smaller, more skilled, faster forwards here? through free agency? Uh, good question. I, I think the others are going to have a list of players that they're interested in going forward. And I think depending on where that list takes them and who, uh, what other teams are doing about the same players that the Oilers are after will certainly push the Oilers to, either towards Patrick Maroon again or away. I think that they have a number in mind of what they can afford to pay Patrick Maroon. I, my guess, without knowing the inside, my guess is he was offered that already and turned it down, and that's why they moved him at the deadline. But the Oilers, because of salary crap restraints, they can only go so high with Patrick Maroon, and Patrick Maroon felt that he could get more on the open market. But I'm sure that if the Oilers could get him at the price that they want to get him at, they'd be happy to bring Patrick Maroon back. Maroon, obviously, Dan, as I'm sure you know, didn't have as good a season as last year. 27 goals, now has 16 this year. So he still gets his goals. I mean, a guy who can score 16 to 20 is still pretty valuable. He, he's obviously a streaky player. He's having a pretty good run with the Devils to start with seven points in eight games, two of them goals. He did say he'd be open to coming back to Edmonton, but... Most guys are gonna are gonna say that because they're gonna be looking for work. It's just I don't I don't think they can go 
you know, could you even go four million with Maroon Rob? I'm not sure you could. I, I don't know. I, I think he's probably three and a half million is what they want to give him. And if he takes it, then they would take him back. If it's more than that, then they're going to say, "Sorry, we can't afford you." Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. That is Dan. All right, the Oilers win 7-3 over Carolina. Dreisaitl, four-point, second four-point game of his career. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Rob, Ottawa, tough day. Obviously, they lose badly, and really sad news about Eric Carlson and his wife losing uh, their son and all the ownership stuff uh, going on there. The Oilers will try to jump on them on Thursday, 4 o'clock face-off show, game at 5.30 here on Chet. Yeah, and I, I'm expecting a game a lot like the one we saw tonight. I believe the Oilers are going to get a ton of chances, and it could be another uh, six or seven goal outburst by the Edmonton Oilers because Ottawa is not a very good team right now. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Oilers win at 7-3 over the Hurricanes. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Thanks for listening.